We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for all the programming that we have available for you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And we're coming to you around the world right here from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio. We also have the Mutual Broadcast Network, Simul Radio, and Simul TV. And to find out all about the programming we have available for you on Simul TV on the Exxon TV channel, visit www.simultv.com. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is author John E. Olson. He lives in beautiful northern Utah. He resides on the far north side of the Cache Valley in Lewiston with his wife and three kids. He enjoys the outdoors and spending his time with his family, which is highly commendable in this society that we live in. Now, John was born and raised in Cache Valley. At the age of eight, he began to realize that the home he lived in was kind of peculiar. His parents still own the old farmhouse built in the mid-1800s. Now, strange experiences such as phantom knocks, loud boots running the stairs, and missing objects became commonplace for him as he grew up. With each uh, run-in with what he called the man in the hat, John's interest in the paranormal grew. He was forbidden by his parents from telling anyone of his experiences for fear of what others in the small community will think. Hmm. He found solace in learning everything he could about his encounters from library books. As he reached his teen years, his friends would visit his home and have the experiences of their own. This opened the door for stories. Friends of friends came to uh, him sharing stories uh, of their brush with the paranormal as well as supernatural. Joining me now is John Olson. We're going to be talking to John about... The Stranger Bridgerland series, which contains first-hand accounts of everything from ghosts, monsters and hauntings, to glitches in the Matrix, Sasquatch, and UFOs. And John, welcome to the Exxon. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Rob. I appreciate it. Hey, it's great having you with us. My gosh, here you are, a young, a young man of eight years old, having all these experiences happening to you in your own home. Yes. And, and, and you're forbidden from telling anyone. How did that affect you? You know, it was it was really hard. Um, I have an older sister. Mm-hmm. She's about four years older than me. And I have a younger brother that's a year younger than me. And uh, we ended up just having to share our experiences together. Um, at the time, you know, my parents denied that the house was haunted at all. But then later on, I found out they were having experiences of their own as well. But, you know, uh, growing up in a small town, mm-hmm. you, you try to avoid being... Uh, talked about and i think that was where the fear fear was coming from from my parents they were just afraid that that people would think we were strange if we were talking about our house being haunted did did you any religious beliefs have have a hand in not wanting to talk about this 
You know, um, I did grow up in in a religious home. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that had so much to do with it, just other than the fact that, you know, growing up in a small town, sure. you know, people like to talk. And so I think it had more to do with the small town than necessarily the religious beliefs. Well, John, tell me briefly about where you grew up and, and how you think the uh, the place where you played has played a role in your interest in the paranormal. Well, <clears throat> Like I said, I grew up in a small yeah. town here in northern Utah in Cache Valley. Beautiful area. Um, and the 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 house was was very active. It would go a couple weeks with nothing and then a month of extremely active stuff. And uh, other than the experiences I was having and being able to find books to read about at the library, there wasn't a lot for me to draw on my experiences. Um, I feel like a lot of the books, uh, I remember as a kid, there was the Time Life series that covered all the paranormal. That was at the library. I read every one of those over and yeah. over and over again. And uh, it just not only did it pique my curiosity with the things that were going on in my house, but mm-hmm. other aspects of the paranormal that I got very interested in. You know, speaking about the Time Life series of the, the books of the paranormal, my parents gave me the Reader's Digest uh, series on the paranormal, uh, beautiful books. Uh, in fact, I'm looking at them right here in my office and studios uh, because I, I find them so handy and a lot of great memories, you know, reading the books when I was a younger kid, trying to figure out what was what, who was who, and what was real and what wasn't real. Um, what were some of the paranormal experiences that you would encounter and experience in that house of yours? Well, uh, there were some that happened quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a large steep staircase that goes from the main floor up to the second floor. And uh, at any time during the day, you would hear somebody run up as the stairs or run down the stairs or heavy boot steps up or down, and there wouldn't be anybody there. Uh, things like that happened all the time. Uh, there were often times that I would be woken up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. with uh, individuals having a conversation just in the hallway or just inside my room and and realizing there wasn't anybody there. Uh, there was quite a bit of stuff that went on like that. And then um, there was stuff that went on that made us believe that me and my sister, that it was a, a very, uh, we called it a trickster kind of a thing. You know, like to play games, especially with uh, certain individuals of the home. I remember there were times where I would be sitting in the front room and my mother would call me to come into the kitchen. So I would get up and go into the kitchen, and my mother wasn't in the kitchen. And so I would go hunt her down and say, well, you know, what did you want from me? And she would say, I didn't call you. And then it would hit me. I realized, oh, it was it was the ghost mimicking my mother to try and play a trick on me. And uh, different things like that would, went on throughout my entire childhood. Where did the name Man in the Hat come from? Well, um... That happened when uh, I were. I remember I was about uh, 11 years old, roughly. Mm-hmm. I'd come home from school, uh, made myself a sandwich, went into the front room and, and plopped down on the couch to watch television. And before I could get the TV on, I noticed something at the, at, uh, the edge of my vision and I looked. And here's this tall individual, tall, skinny, uh, wearing overalls and a white shirt and a wide-brimmed hat, Um, but he was see-through, 
and I couldn't see distinctive features of his face. And he walked in the front room right past me and then sat in a rocking chair that was adjacent to the couch from where I was sitting and started rocking back and forth. And I, I remember closing my eyes and counting to 10 because I was too afraid to move. And when I opened my eyes again, uh, he was gone, but the rocking chair just slowly stopped uh, rocking. And from then, uh, there were a few other family members who have seen him. And he always is tall, very thin man. He wears uh, overalls, his white shirt, and his wide-brimmed uh, hat. It looks like almost a, um, a straw hat. Any idea who this, who this man in the hat was? You know, uh, oddly enough, a few, several years after this, uh, my grandparents passed away. And the house where I lived, my parents had purchased from, uh, it had been in my family, uh, distant relatives, uh, back for quite a while. And when my grandma passed away and we were going through some of the old photo albums and stuff, I pulled out a picture and my heart almost stopped because there was my house that I'd grown up in mm -hmm. and a picture of the family and the father was a tall skinny farmer oh my with overalls and a white shirt and a, a big straw hat and I realized that was him uh, the gentleman that used to live there near the turn of the century. During this time uh, with your encounters with the the man in the hat did you fear the the entity? Did you fear the ghost? Did you feel that you or your family were in any danger? Or did you feel protected? You know, I felt uh, protected. Mm -hmm. uh, after growing up in that situation and um, even having experiences and even my children having experiences as my parents still live in this house, um, I've come to realize that, you know, it's it's just an individual who used to live there or several individuals, that it's there, it was their house, it's still their house. And, um, you know, I've, I've never felt, there's been a couple times where I was, was frightened just simply out of the fact that what mm -hmm. was happening was so unusual, but I've never felt threatened or um, in any danger whatsoever. And, I, and as far as I know, nobody in my family has felt that either. John, you and I have to take our first uh, commercial break. Please stand by. Great having you with us. And Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about John Olson, his website is www.strangerbridgerland.com. That's S-T-R-A-N-G-E-R-B-R-I-D-G-E-R-L-A-N-D.com. And uh, the name of the books are the Bridgerland, I'm sorry, the Stranger Bridgerland series. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. John and I will be back talking more about the strange, the weird, the paranormal, and much more when we return here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. 
Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Explanation. My guest of this hour is John Olson. His website is www.strangerbridgerland.com. And, you know, John, I often wondered if I would ever be fortunate enough to have a ghost. Can you imagine playing poker and you've got this ghost on your side? There yeah. you go around the table and come back to you and tell you everything. Okay, Craig, I'm sorry. I was just being creative there. Anyway, John, listen. Um, what area of the paranormal do you cover in the books? You know, I, I cover just about anything you mm-hmm. can imagine. Um, so as as I, I got older and people started coming to me mm-hmm. and telling me their stories, I, I didn't narrow it down. I took whatever paranormal stories they wanted to bring to me, right. which ended up in the book. And I ended up with, you know, uh, UFOs, uh, cryptids, Bigfoot, uh, glitches in the matrix, uh, quite a different variety of paranormal activity uh, throughout the book that I've covered, uh, interviewing different people. And what are, you, what are your, some of your favorite stories from the book? Well, um, some of my favorite stories, uh, I had an individual come to me, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he, at the time he lived in uh, Idaho, right. and he was a parts um distributor, which means he was going to school and then during the afternoon he would deliver parts, um, automotive parts, and very different places he went. And uh, it came close to closing time and his boss told him that they had an order that was going to a place that was called Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and it's quite a ways away from where he lived, but his boss offered to pay for his dinner and night lodging and then give him the rest of the weekend off, which he, he thought that was great. So... He packed up his little truck and left, and he had decided that he wanted to, he was going to have dinner, but then pocket the money for the um, <laughs> the, the night, yeah. the night stay, and that he would just throw his bedroll in the back of his truck. And so he was in a remote canyon, it's called Tin Cup, uh, and he'd rolled out his sleeping bag in the back of his truck and went to bed. Well, around two o'clock in the morning, he woke up to bright light in his truck and a hum, a really loud humming sound. And he got out of his truck and looked and about about 100 yards from his truck was a triangle triangle shaped UFO, uh, not very far away. It was hovering over this stream that came down uh, this canyon. And it had a blue beam going down and it was collecting water out of the stream. And he was kind of in shock, and he stood there and watching it for a few minutes, and suddenly the hum stopped, the blue beam shut off, and the water that was suspended in the air fell, and he could hear it hit the water, yeah. and it hovered for a moment, the triangle, and then, boom, it took off and disappeared, and this individual had come to me. He, he'd never had anything like that happen before or yeah. since, and it had just really piqued his interest in UFOs, and that was... That was one that really struck me because I had had another individual come to me, tell almost the exact same story, only 80 miles away, uh, 15 years beforehand, and the only difference was it was around, um, uh, or your typical uh, 
saucer-shaped UFO, but the exact same story from two people that had never met each other and never knew about each other. I found that really fascinating. Let's talk about you now, John. Can you share with us a favorite story from your very own life experiences? Um, yeah. So uh, a couple years, I guess it's been about four years now, mm -hmm. my parents... Uh, had left. Uh, they'd gone on a, a vacation. They asked me to just house sit for them for a couple days. And this was in the home that I'd grown up in. And uh, so I took my youngest son. He wanted to go. So we went to, to grandma and grandpa's and spent the evening uh, watching TV and, and hanging out. And uh, my mother has a little uh, Shih Tzu dog. His name is Bassa. And Bassa typically sleeps with my parents or whoever is visiting or whoever's there. And it was about 11 o'clock and my son had fallen asleep. So I, I carried him upstairs to bed and came back down. And, and Bassa was in his bed in the kitchen. And I asked him if he wanted to go to bed. And he just kind of looked at me and then went back to sleep. So I said, well, I'll leave you here. <laughs> and so I went up, up the stairs into bed. And, and about 3 o'clock in the morning... I woke up to just the most horrible racket going on down in the basement, downstairs. And so I got up and, and headed down the stairs and, and it was a lot of banging and, and Bassa was barking. And, and as I hit the bottom stairs, the, the banging stopped and Bassa stopped barking. And so I walked into the kitchen and turned the light on. And that's when I realized what the sound was. There was every drawer and every, um, uh, door in the kitchen was open at a different point and, uh, and then it hit me that that was what was going on was that it was just slamming the um the doors and opening and slamming the drawers and so i looked and and bassa was just shaking under the under the table so i reached down and picked him up and shut all the drawers and everything and checked the doors and and went back to bed but it was really interesting to have something that active happen um it was it was just amazing how every one of the the cabinet doors were were open or shut at a different angle and and that was a really interesting situation that had happened to me just about four years ago. Now, now that was in the home where you grew up. Yeah, that's correct. So is it possible that whoever was responsible for the paranormal phenomenon realized you were there and that was their way of saying welcome home? It could have been. Yeah, um, it's interesting that the activity seems to increase when my parents are gone on a trip and, and one of us is there staying and, and watching the house. Um, that kind of change seems to activate whatever it is and, and make them um, a little more active in the home. It, it almost seems as if the, um, the entity or the ghost is, is babysitting the house and letting you know that, you know what, you're not alone. So be careful what you do in the house when mom and dad aren't there. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because he tends to um, pick more on different individuals, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to um, trickery or uh, he, my oldest son. He's always had something that, that about him whenever he stays at grandma and grandpa's house. There's something that happens to him that the ghost lets him know that he's there. And I think it might be because it bothers him more, maybe, or right. he just thinks it's more amusing. But uh, he just seems to pick on people more than others for some reason. i got to tell you something, John, that if I was your son and you said, let's go to Grandma and Grandpa's, I'd say, goodbye, Dad. And they'd be like, nope, I'm not <laughs> going to. Exactly. But, but, but do they go uh, 
Uh, they must know that once they're there, something is going to happen. They do, yeah. And and they still love going to grandma and grandpa's house. They they still enjoy it. My my kids do, and they're just. My my youngest actually gets excited because he he loves reading my books. He loves, you know, talking with me about it, and sure. he's just on edge and and excited something might happen when he goes to grandma and grandpa's house. What do grandma and grandpa think about the activity that's going on in their house? Um, you know, they've become more open to it. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not afraid of it. Uh, they'll call me uh, on occasion just to let me know, oh, this happened, you know, this week, and it was really strange. And uh, at first, they were very concerned about me writing the books and talking about it. But they've really opened up and and been supportive. They're they're really okay with it, with with the entity and the house and and everything in your opinion having been brought up in a house like that and having to have had your 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 emotions and your experiences hushed what is it, what is the advice you have for moms and dad listening tonight who may have children going through the same experience what's your advice to them um, my biggest advice would be to uh, acknowledge it mm -hmm. because the one thing you don't want to do is is try and make them feel like what their experience is, isn't happening because, you know, when you're an adolescent, you're worried about, am I strange? Am I a oh weirdo? Gosh, yeah. You know, what's going on with me? And, and just acknowledging it. Um, whenever I, I talk to people who have a spirit in their house or are experiencing something like this, I, I like to express to them that, you know, the vast majority of your hauntings is just an individual who once was alive and isn't anymore. Unless you're dealing with maybe inhuman spirits or something like that, which is something completely different. Um, you're dealing with somebody who was just alive before and isn't anymore. And it's just like meeting somebody on the street. Usually about nine out of ten people you meet are going to be good nice people you got about one out of ten that might be a jerk right and you got to be afraid of but um yeah just uh definitely treating your kids you know that what they're experiencing isn't crazy that they're not crazy but that there's nothing to be afraid of either so be supportive exactly yep be supportive all righty you and i have to take a commercial break in a couple in about a minute uh, from now but tell our listeners where they can buy your book Books. So uh, my my books are on Amazon. Uh, the first one is Stranger Bridgerland, mm -hmm. and the second new one is Beyond Stranger Bridgerland, and they're both available on, on Kindle and uh, at Amazon. All right, John, stand by. You and I will take our news break at the bottom of the hour, and we will both be back uh, talking more about the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology, the strange, the weird, the wonderful, and the bizarre. Well, that's the way it is in this household anyway. I'm Rob McConnell. John Olson is my special guest. And once again, his website is www.strangerbridgerland.com. And we'll both be back right here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away now. Children in Ukraine have been wounded and are traumatized by the violence. UNICEF is on the ground providing health, hygiene, and critical emergency supplies. Please go to unicef.org to donate now. Thank you. Exonation John Olson is my special guest. Uh, his website is strangerbridgerland.com. 
Now, John, do you have any aspects of the paranormal realm that you avoid? Um, I tend to, well, actually, yes, there's, there's two. I, I don't like to necessarily write about inhuman spirits or, mm -hmm. um, people's experiences with the Ouija board. I just personally have a feeling you're, you're opening a door that you don't necessarily want to. And even though I, I have some collections of stories like that, I, I don't necessarily like to, uh, promote people's ideas of, of playing with stuff like that. I've just seen so much havoc come from it. Uh, the other thing that I do too is um, there's a few stories that I've collected from uh, places, including not far from here. Mm -hmm. There is um, there is a Indian um, Native American uh, tribe that was uh, slaughtered oh. not very far from here. And there's a lot of people that have had a lot of experiences there, and I've and I have recorded them. I'm, I would like to put them in a book, but I want to do it in a way that's uh, very respectful um, and done in a way that tells their story, but at the same time doesn't exploit it, if that makes sense. What is Bridgerland? So uh, Bridgerland is actually the northern part of Utah. It uh, encompasses three counties, uh, Box Elder County, Cache County, and Rich County. And it's called Bridgerland because uh, originally it was founded and kind of explored first by Jim Bridger, which was a famous um, trapper and explorer. Mm -hmm. And so they just named it Bridgerland after, after Jim Bridger. And so my first book was mainly stories from this area. Uh, so I called it Stranger Bridgerland. And then as more people read that book and came to me from all over the West, uh, I expanded it and called it Beyond Stranger Bridgerland, the next book, because the next one, this, my current book has stories from Wyoming and Idaho and Nevada and all over the Western United States. Why do you think there are some people who are in areas that are paranormal rich, for lack of better words, and, and have no experiences whatsoever. And yet there are other people who can go anywhere and experience the paranormal. You know, I, I think that there is a level of um, sensitivity for some people, and it can vary quite a bit. I know I've collected a lot of stories from individuals who have only had like this one experience and they want to share that with me. But uh, there, I've also ran into a lot of people doing this who would love to have an experience, but, but haven't had that opportunity yet. And so it's, it's just interesting to me. I think that there are people out there that are more sensitive to it. Uh, and I think they, they tend maybe even towards it, uh, towards the unknown and the paranormal. Here we are in the year 2018 and the paranormal is, is building steam. Why do you think that is? Well, I know that uh, personally for me, mm -hmm. when, when like when I was younger, it was more taboo for people to talk about. And one of the things that I wanted to do with this book series is uh, let people know that it's okay to talk about. It's okay to have those experiences and share those experiences. And, um, and I think that that's just kind of a movement that's, that's moving along. People are sharing their experiences. They're looking for the strange and the unusual. I think that's just a core inside of a lot of us. 
is that we're just drawn to the unknown. Uh, that's, I think, the same thing that's that's driven explorers in the past and and pioneers and, and all of our ancestors. It's the same kind of idea of wanting to know what's out there. We briefly discussed uh, the negative part of the paranormal. Have you had any experiences with it? Um, I don't think that I would classify any of my experiences as, as negative mm -hmm. that I've had. Um, I have the people that I've interviewed who have had ne negative experiences. Um, it's, oddly enough, most of those are people who have been looking for it or gone out searching for ah. the, neg the negative and then found it. And so I think that if you're not careful, if you knock on the wrong door, you might, you know, end up running into the wrong spirit, so to speak. What is your opinion of all these so-called reality TV shows that are are exploiting the paranormal? You know, I think uh, I think they can be fun and entertaining. Mm -hmm. I worry sometimes that um, it's it's making it so there's a lot of these groups springing up where they go for the weekend. Yeah. And go go ghost hunting and I think that's actually great to have people um, excited about it and having groups and and everything like that I worry that there's not a lot of training that can go with it because just like anything else um, I have I have certain rules I, I like to be respectful to the people that I'm that I'm at their house and the spirits that are at the house uh, you know I like to you've got to have permission and there's got to be a right way to do it, uh, to be respectful. I hope that makes sense. It certainly does, and I, and I, and I appreciate that attitude because, uh, you know, I've heard of people who curse at the spirits, who yell at the spirits, who taunt the spirits. And, and I've asked them right here on air, I said, well, why are you being so disrespectful? Right. And it doesn't clue into them that what they're doing is disrespecting the the soul or the or, or the essence of a person who was once alive right and and i i attribute it to if you have somebody who is having an issue with spirit mm -hmm. and they call in somebody for help it, it it would be the same as if i had a hornet's nest in the backyard and i called an exterminator and all he did was come in and throw rocks at it and then leave that would not be helpful <laughs> but that but yet that's what some of them yeah. do. They just come in and stir everything up because they would like to get some proof. And then they walk away and then the individuals in the house are, are worse off than before they came. So, What is your advice as someone who, who deals in the paranormal, uh, having grown up in a situation, as well as having had the opportunity of hearing so many stories and sharing them, not only with your readers, but but people that you have the opportunity of, of talking to and meeting over the days and the years uh, as, as you go on your journeys. What is your advice for someone who, who believes that there is a haunting going on in their house and they find it rather disturbing? Mm -hmm. You know, I, the, one of the things that I found is uh, actually just communicating mm -hmm. uh honestly walking into the room where you're having issue and saying you know this is my home now i you're welcome here but this and this and this is disturbing me it is it is upsetting my life or my children's life and i would really like and appreciate if this and this would not happen and in a lot of cases that will work um it will 
it will, for whatever reason, the things that were happening will stop. And more often than not, just communicating and being understanding uh, and letting them know that you're aware they're there and it's fine you're there, but mm -hmm. I would just like to not see or hear or, you know, these things. Is it possible then that just by acknowledging them, they know that they have your attention and you know, they're not going to be ignored? Yes. And here's, I have a perfect example of okay. that. Um, just at the beginning of this year, my wife and I sold our home mm -hmm. and we were about three weeks from getting into our new home and we were just going to rent a place. And my parents said, oh, you know, the upstairs is free. You know, don't don't rent. Just keep your stuff in storage. You can stay here for three weeks. And I and we said, oh, yeah, thank you. That's great because it's a big open area and it's mm -hmm. perfect kind of like and my wife was concerned about that at first because she knows that it's an active home and she's not used to that so much. And so both my dad and I at certain times said, look, you know, um, my wife's moving in here. We're going to be here for three weeks. She's a lot more frightened of what's going on. You know, can you make sure you don't bother her? And sure enough, she was not bothered for those three weeks. Um, near the end, she said something about along the lines of, wow, you know, he's not here. He must not be here. He's not bothering me. And I said, well, if you say that, you know, I said, maybe it's okay if he bothers you a little. And she she kind of laughed at that, but the last <laughs> couple of days that we were there, he made sure to knock at certain times when she was upstairs alone or do a couple other things that kind of was like, see, I was leaving you alone, but because you said it was okay, you know, here's a little taste, but, but that was a good example of, you know, I, I was very firm saying, you know, we're going to be here for three weeks. Um, my wife is not comfortable with this, you know, and he was respectful. Exonation, our guest this hour is John Olson, and uh, John's website is www.strangerbridgerland.com, and uh, he is the author of a couple of books that are based on the paranormal, and the first one is The Stranger Bridgerland, and what is your second book called again? It's called uh, Beyond Stranger Bridgerland. There you go. John Olson and I will return as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone after these short words from our sponsor from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, X-Zone Nation, if you would like to get a subscription to Simul TV with over 140 international television uh, channels and networks, including the X-Zone TV channel, all you need to do is go to www.simultv. Dot com. That's www.simultv.com. I'm Rob McConnell. John Olson and I wrap up this hour. When we come back, don't go away. All right, ExoNation, John Olson is our special guest. His website is www.strangerbridgerland.com. First of all, John, thanks very much for joining us. Great having you with us. I wish you continued success. And... Um, when I was doing your intro at the beginning of the hour, we talked, I said that, uh, you know, st the uh, Stranger Bridgeland series contains firsthand accounts of everything from ghosts, monsters, and hauntings to glitches in the Matrix, Sasquatch, mm -hmm. and UFOs. Well, we've talked about ghosts. We've talked a little bit about hauntings. We've talked about, well, a couple of UFO cases. But tell me, Sasquatch? 
Yeah, it's 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 interesting. There's actually been in the area that I live in mm -hmm. uh, northern Utah has actually had quite a few uh, interesting run-ins with Bigfoot and Sasquatch, and a few people have felt comfortable enough to share the stories with me. One of my favorite, if you don't mind me, I'll just tell it real I, quick. I'd love for you to tell it. <laughs> um, this uh, gentleman, his name was John. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a manager of a bed and breakfast that was up in the mountains uh, between here and Bear Lake. And uh, he was working in the fall. It was actually between the summer and the winter, so it's not very busy up there. The managers would spend uh, three or four days up there and then three or four days off. Mm -hmm. And it was one night, they, he only had one couple staying at the lodge, and uh, he had checked them in and taken care of everything and went to bed. And there was a knock on his door at about 11 o'clock at, at night, and he went to the door, and uh, the gentleman there was very upset, and he wanted to, to um, check out and leave. And he asked, he asked the gentleman, you know, why would you want to leave in the middle of the night? Is everything okay? Did something go wrong? And, and he's, the gentleman hesitated, but then said that him and his wife were on the front porch in the moon, in the moonlight. It was a full moon and something had run across the, the parking lot right in front of them. And, uh, he said, well, we've got a lot of animals up here. You know, that's not uncommon to see. And, and the guy said, well, no, this was extremely large and in, on running on two feet and he said oh okay and so he checked them out and mm -hmm. they basically ran out with all of their stuff in their arms and threw <laughs> threw it in the car and left and he went into the office to uh just file the paperwork and then go to bed and as he shut the light off um the moon shone through a window that was up high in the office and as he looked at the wall no. There was a large shadow of an outline of a, a very large, thick man with not much neck at all. And and he kind of got really scared because now he's the only one up there. So he, he slipped out of the, the, the office and mm -hmm. stood in the hallway and was realizing that there's just a little door between him and this large creature. <laughs> and just then there was a, a slam on the back of the cabin that shook the, the whole building and it's a rather large building. And, uh, he ran to his room and stayed there. And later on, about an hour later, a police officer came and there's one highway patrolman that's in charge of the Canyon at night. And it's a Thursday, there's no traffic. And, and the officer wanted to know if anything had happened and because he had been given reports that there was a individual in a monkey costume running across the road in front of people. And, there's no reason anybody would be up there in a monkey costume at that time of night. So, you know, he'd, he'd had an experience with the Sasquatch that uh, he would not forget, he said. so. Unbelievable. You also say that, um, well, you, you, in your book, there are stories or a story about glitches in the Matrix. Could you share that um, with us? Yeah, you bet. There was uh, several stories in there. Okay. These are stories that don't necessarily match with anything else. Wouldn't go with a ghost or, mm -hmm. or, um, but one of my favorites was an individual. He was going to school at Utah State. Utah State is in Cache Valley. It's a university here. And it was getting close to the end of finals and he was going up to campus, rode his bike up there to study. And so he threw a blanket out and was just reading his biology notes. 
and had noticed that some, you know, somebody had stopped in front of him and was staring at him. So he looked up from his notes to come face to face with basically himself. Um, the individual looked just like him, was wearing the same pants, had the same bicycle. Um, the only difference that he could tell was he was wearing, uh, he, the, the gentleman is a fan of the Seattle Seahawks football team. And the gentleman that he was staring at also had a Seattle Seahawks football team, but the colors were different. They were uh, a red color and something else. And they kind of locked eyes, and it was this surreal moment. And suddenly the, the other individual jumped on the bike and took off. And uh, he got up and tried to chase the, the individual down on the bike, but he'd gone around a corner and completely disappeared. And so he didn't know, you know, looking back, he, he doesn't know whether he had gone through some sort of parallel universe sure. where he ran into himself or a doppelganger that just happened to have weird color hat or whatever it was, but it was, it was him. He said it was the exact copy of himself standing there with his bike staring at him. Is it possible he ran into a mirror? I, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, he was, he was very adamant wow. that, I mean, he had gotten a really good look at it to the point where he said, you know, the hat, was a Seattle Seahawks hat, but the colors were wrong on it, which really struck him as strange. And the individual was also just as, as shocked to see him as he was. Um, I don't know what would have happened if he'd have caught himself. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's something that's just kind of a strange glitch in the matrix, like I say. Were there any other monster stories, I mean, besides Bigfoot? Um, yeah, there's a, a few other stories. There was an individual who was on a hike. Mm -hmm. um, I know we don't have a lot of time, but he was on a hike by himself. Yeah, and uh, in the middle of the night, he was woken. He was uh, woken by getting hit with a pebble. And when he woke up, it was. Uh, it's a place called Mount Naomi, and it's very high, uh, right near the the tree line. And when he found his flashlight, his headlamp, and finally turned it on, there was a creature. Uh, about 15 feet from him on a pile of rocks. And he explained the creature as a pale green skin, uh, pointy features, almost like a, um, a, you would think of a goblin or something like that. And wearing old handmade clothing, uh, had sharp teeth, and it started whistling at him. Uh, he was frozen with fear. And he'd, when he had gone to bed, he was reading a book, and he noticed that this creature had the book in its hands, and it really, he realized that this creature had been close enough to him to have st stolen his book from him. And that kind of snapped him out of the, uh, the situation. He gathered up his stuff as quick as he could and, and ran for the trail. Um, he tripped near the trail, was still gathering up his stuff, and, and the whistling was coming closer. And he was just frightened to death by this thing and uh, ran all the way down, finally made it to his vehicle. But he had not had a lot of experience whatsoever with the paranormal. And this had really shaken him up. Uh, he, you know, it took me a little while for him to allow me to write this story in the book just because he was afraid of it. He, he had me change his name and everything like that. Uh, but he, when I interview somebody, 
you know, I can tell if somebody is being genuine, I feel like, and just the fear in his voice when he was telling it, and it had been several years since it had happened, uh, I believe what he what he had seen. I, I believe that that is what he had seen in, in that night, so. With all the people that you've spoken to, uh, have you heard any stories about fairies, phantom hitchhikers, phantom lights, uh, angels? Um, I have, yes, actually I have. Um, in my new book, I have a couple stories which would be contributed, I think, to, um, to angels or, um, uh, someone from the other side helping. Uh, and I also have a few stories about phantom lights that occur oh, wow. in this area. Um, one area, which is, uh, a phantom, uh, miner's light that they see, uh, up a certain Canyon that several people have seen. And uh, that other story that I told you is the closest to like fairies or that kind of thing that, that they've had. But I've definitely had um, angels, phantom lights, and uh, a few stories like that. Well, listen, John, uh, this is the time when you and I must say so long, but please let our listeners know the name of your book and where it can be purchased again, as well as your website. Yes. So my website is strangerbridgerland.com. And there's a place on there that if you have a story and you'd like to contact me, please do so. Uh, I can get a hold of you. I, I, I'm still, you know, getting stories mm -hmm. and writing them down. Uh, my books are Stranger Bridgerland and Beyond Stranger Bridgerland, and they're both on Amazon and Kindle. John, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Continued success, and I'd love to have you back on in the show to talk about more of the strange stories that you have and that you're going to be putting in your books to share with the world. Thank you so much, Rob. Take care of yourself, John. Exonation, I guess this hour has been John Olson. His website is www.stranger, wait a sec, strangerbridgerland.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeart Radio, Simul Radio, and Simul TV. Mm -hmm.